Hey, Leadheads, this is Lefty. Just wanted to give you this special message before we get started in this episode. Didn't want you to miss it. Our guest today is Jason Hansen, former CIA operative, New York Times bestselling author. He's got a special gift just for you Leadheads. So you're going to go to our website, TalkingLead.com, and then under this episode, Talking Lead 440, Aftershock, How to Survive America's Apocalypse, we've got links to these special gifts, that's right, I said gifts, that Jason is offering exclusive just to you leadheads. So go to our website. You don't want to miss this. The links are in the show notes. Enjoy your special gifts from Jason. Enjoy your holiday weekend and enjoy this episode because we enjoyed bringing it to you. It's been in the 90s here in Tennessee, but we got a little storm system, I guess, that's rolled in the last couple of days. It's been in the, I guess, 70s. Now, how much humidity do you guys have there? All of it. <laughs> That's the nice thing about here where I'm at, there's zero humidity, so it's perfect. Yeah, perfect. I'm ready to rock and roll whenever you are. Alright, man. Let's do this. Looking forward to it. I've been looking forward, looking forward to this for a while, man. Alright, 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 Leadheads. We are back with another episode of the Talking Lead Podcast. I'm your host, Lefty. Bringing you all the lead education. Ten years of talking lead. We are celebrating ten years of talking lead this year. So you guys know what that means. Nothing really out of the ordinary other than that we're probably giving away more things than we normally do. We've had some awesome giveaways. We're giving away a Century Arms AK-47, the BFT-47. And uh, you go back to the past two episodes and get instructions on how you're going to enter that it's going to be a fun social media contest for you leadheads so we're looking forward to all the participation in that so that was the uh, ak corner season four episode five and then our last episode we had the guys from accufire we had brandon sisson on with accufire talking about their new digital spotting scope which is just badass is is the two words that i can use to describe it uh, i'll be getting mine soon so uh, be looking for videos and a more commentary on the the ominous is what they're calling it. Uh, today's episode uh, is has been preparing for a while, and I'm really looking forward to it. We have uh, a very special guest joining us today, Leadheads. Uh, you've seen the post, so I hope you guys went and and posted some questions for our guest today. Uh, we have Jason Hansen joining us. Jason is a former CIA officer and a New York Times bestselling author. I don't think we have any other kind of authors on the show other than New York Times bestselling authors. <laughs> uh, with his book, Spy Secrets That Can Save Your Life, Jason is a frequent media guest. Uh, you've probably seen him on talk shows. He's been on the Today Show, Dateline. If you like the cooking shows, he's been on Rachel Ray, which... I've watched Rachel Ray a couple of times. She's cute. Uh, I like her show. She's bubbly. Fox and Friends, Shark Tank, and he was on a Jay Leno game show episode too, and he he aced it. <laughs> um, and then Jason also has a spy school. It's a spy training school. It's called the Spy Ranch, a 320-acre ranch out in Cedar City, Utah, where you can go and get hands-on training on 
all the tips and tricks and secrets uh, of being a super spy like Jason. Jason, welcome into the show, buddy. Hey, thanks for having me, Lefty. Absolutely, man. It's a pleasure having you on. I've been, like I said, I've been looking forward to this. Uh, in preparing for this, Jason, I've done uh, a lot of research. I watched uh, a lot of your videos, been to your websites. You sent me uh, one of your books, which we're going to talk about uh, today. It's Aftershock, How to Survive America's Apocalypse. And uh, we're going to talk about prepping. We're going to talk about some of your your spy tips and tricks, just all kinds of stuff. And then we've got listener questions. I know our listeners have a lot of questions for you as well, so we're going to delve into those uh, and do that too. So uh, I don't know if you're ready for this or not, but uh, did you prepare for the jack wagon train? I have no idea what that is. Okay. You're going to have to tell me what I need to do. Okay, this is fun. So the jack wagon train and the Leadhead Brigade Heroes is a segment that we do. Uh, to where we have fun with it. We'll point out somebody or something maybe that's in uh, the news that maybe we don't necessarily agree with or we think is buffoonery. And we'll we'll call them out for that. I've got one. I'll do it. Uh, and then the hero is just the opposite of that. Somebody or something in our society or our world that's doing something to make a difference uh, in a positive manner. And uh, Arlie Ermey, are you familiar with Arlie Ermey, the gunny? Absolutely. Uh, he is our conductor for the jack wagon train, and he makes our announcement for that. So, Gunny, bring that train in, and we're going to take care of some jack wagons. Hey, Ralph, simplified do or die, hold them high at 8th and I. It is time for the talking lead jack wagon of the week, so brace yourself, baby. So, do you rec- I guess you recorded it several years ago then. Yeah, like our first year that I started this, we had the the great fortune to meet him at our first NRA convention that we went to. Uh, and he did an interview with us and we were telling him about our show and what we do. And we're telling him about the Jack wagon train. And he was like, Hey, do you, do you have a introduction for that segment? I'm like, no, not really. We just kind of, you know, introduce it ourselves. He's like, well, would you like one? <laughs> like, that's awesome. We're like, yeah, and he did it. He did it right there on the spot, recorded it unscripted. And, uh, that's, that's what I use. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So we, we've had good fortune since uh, day one. 12, 2012 is when we started this. So like I said, 10 years, that, of, 10 years yeah, of talking lead. That's a good, good amount of time. Podcasting before podcasting was a thing. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. So the train has stationed. And I don't know if, if some of you leadheads have heard about this or not. But I like, I like to keep our listeners, you know, because this is a firearms kind of centric show. We don't always talk firearms, but let them know what's going on, uh, when our rights are kind of in jeopardy. And uh, this is from Fox News. Gun rights groups, ATF report accuses agency of making illegal gun registry. Uh, and then Ted Cruz is uh, involved with this. So what's going on, basically, Leadheads, is the ATF has... I guess secretly or not secretly, been gathering FFL's information on gun purchases, and they've made a database. And the Gun Owners of America, which you guys are familiar with that, if you're not, they're a gun rights advocacy group. Probably just as, you know, moving on up there like NRA, which a lot of people have have their gripes with NRA, but there are other organizations like Gun Owners of America that have our rights in mind as well and are working hard for us. It says in their their new report 
on the finalized rule requiring federal firearms licenses to maintain purchase records indefinitely, which prior to that it was only 20 years that they had to maintain those, and then they were supposedly supposed to destroy them. Um, but this report, based on the Freedom of Information Act, requested documents for... These documents reveal that the ATS maintaining a digital searchable centralized registry of guns and gun owners in violation of various federal prohibitions. In November 2021, an internal ATF memo leaked by the Gun Owners of America revealed that the ATF has processed and digitized over 50 million out of business, I put finger quotes up, records of gun dealers. Uh, in fiscal year 2021. This report was picked up by major pundits and news outlets, including Fox News, Tucker Carlson, and The Blaze. Blah, blah, blah. says, while ATF and others maintain this does not constitute a gun registry and that all relevant statutes, restrictions are being adhered to, the information referenced in this section is revealed in a Freedom of Information Act response by the ATF to Gun Owners of America proves otherwise the report continues pointing out that the atf maintains only that the registry records uh, records in their final format are not searchable by name so what they've done is they've actually turned off that um that field the name field in their their searchable database so they can search by everything but name but the names are there and they could turn that on at any time and i think that's what the the major gripe of the uh, of this lawsuit that they're getting ready to file against the ATF is is about. Uh, so, for more information on that leadheads, you can go to Fox News. Or you can probably just Google it, and you'll probably get several different uh, articles from different people. Uh, but it looks like the old Biden's ATF is uh, still up to no good, and they have made a gun registry database. I mean, fifty million. Uh, out of business records is, is a lot. So, and they're making it a new rule that FFLs have to keep that information indefinitely instead of the 20 years. So, that's not going to go over well. So, my jack wagon, Jason, is the ATF again. <laughs> again, and 49 million of those guns are probably mine. Are, pro- <laughs> are probably at the Spy Ranch, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, I guarantee you that you're on their registry. You're in their their sites, I'm sure. Well, hey, that's that's why you have ghost guns. That's why you have pre eighteen ninety nine guns. You don't have to register, so you got to have plenty of guns off the books. Well, they've made the ghost guns illegal now too. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, what is it going to affect in a couple months? So I have plenty of ghost guns that were legally made, right? That aren't serialized. That may or may not be in various places around this United States. So strategically placed. Strategically placed. There you go. So, yeah, I, I got plenty of guns that are not tied back to anything or anyone. Gotcha. Gotcha. And that and that's smart. So did that spark anything for you? Did a jack wagon come to mind there? Uh, it did. It, it, but it, it's jack wagons. So it's not perfect. just one person. I, I was reading this morning, you know, of course, all the student loan debt and how Biden's going to cancel whatever, 50000 I can't even remember the number. Yeah. And so I'm reading this, and there was one guy they interviewed who was actually an honest, decent human being who said, you know what? I took out those loans. I knew what I was doing. Like, I'm going to pay them off, and I'm going to do the right thing. 
And of course, everybody else is like, no, no, no I, you know, I racked up $150,000 debt. You know, take care of it, make it disappear. Yeah. So I did go to college. I worked two jobs in college. One of them was at Kmart, which was a terrible job and one of my least favorite places I ever worked. But clearly, anybody who thinks that loans they took out, they knew what they were doing, should have them wiped away, is absolutely a jack wagon. I agree. Absolutely. You knew what you were doing when you did it. You knew the that it had to be paid back. Um, I mean, I can I can see the government stepping in and you know and maybe extending it or offering some some reduced rates or something like that. I did I didn't do a student loan either. I was like you. I had three jobs when I was in college. I worked at GNC. I worked at a men's clothing store and I worked at uh, airport. Uh, you do what you got to do. You do, yeah. You do what you got to do. And I knew that if I did the student loans, I had two older brothers also, and you know they a couple of them. They had some couple, a couple of uh, student loans, and I saw the, the headache and the heartache and the, you know, I was like, mm, I think I'm just going to try to pay it all up front, and that's, and you know, of course, parents, you know, God bless my parents, they helped out a little bit too. But yeah, absolutely, I don't, I don't see, you know, that's the whole thing, that's the whole problem with this society today is that people expect things to be given to them, you know, they, they feel entitled going to college, you know, it's like it's a right. You know, that's not a right. right yeah. It, you know, you have to earn that and not, it's not for everybody and not everybody can afford it. And I mean, look at the people who didn't go to college. The guy who started Walmart, what's his name? Sam Walton. He didn't go to college, did he? And he, you know, made one of the most successful businesses in history in the world. So, and what was, uh, was Gates a dropout or something like that? Bill Gates? Yeah, I think Gates dropped out. I think Jobs dropped out. I mean, yeah, there's plenty of dropouts. Yeah. So, you know, not, you, you don't necessarily need college. You just need hard work and a good work ethic, which. Well, and that's 100% it. See, this is what I, you know, I tell my kids and the younger relatives I have. Like, listen, there are so many kids who are entitled and they're lazy deadbeats these days that if you actually work your tail off, and have a good work ethic, you will have no problem achieving success in life. Because the bar is set so low these days, where, I mean, I'll, a quick example. Yeah. In a warehouse where we do shipping, this was a while back, had a kid who had just got married, he lost his job, and we needed help in the warehouse doing shipping and receiving. And so I said, hey, you know, you can have this job, and it wasn't obviously the world's highest paying job, but I know you need to, you know, you need to do something to do. He's like, well, that's ex not exactly what I'm looking at. You know, that doesn't sound like the most fun thing, and the hours aren't on. I'm like, wait a minute, buddy. You don't have a job, and you just got married. You know, you'll go dig ditches if you know what's good for you to provide for your family, your wife kind of thing. But he didn't take it. He didn't want the job. Are you it was serious? too hard, not what he was looking for. Oh, my gosh. Perfect example of what's wrong with our society today, which is why we're, you know, we're losing so many of our rights because people are, are willing to give up their rights for for personal comfort, personal yep. ease, and that's not what this country was founded on. And man, we got to really turn it around. And it's it's up to us, this the older generation, to to set an example. And uh, it's it's tough, but uh, it can be done. I don't think we're beyond saving uh, as far as our, you know, what this country was founded on. But oh, we're we're getting close. We're on a very slippery slope, right? Yeah, I mean, we're hanging by a thread. But, I mean, I, I still I love this country. I believe in America. I 100% believe we can turn it around. Uh, but, like you said, it's going to have to take effort. It's going to have to take people 
constantly doing the right thing, meaning constantly promoting freedom, promoting the Second Amendment, not being afraid. I mean, I'm right now, I don't know if you can see it, but I'm wearing this funny T-shirt that says Socialism Stopper. <laughs> nice. And, so, and it's got a gun on it. Again, I don't know how much you can see, but I was talking yeah, with someone it. who was a, a friend of a friend, and they were like, they saw the show, and they were like, oh, I would never dare wear that in public. What if people, like, you know, yelled at me or frowned at me? Like, Psh. So, so what? Weak, you know, <laughs> so right? what? We're all worried about being PR and... And then all that, you know, so. So, great. That's a great jack wagon. Yeah, I mean, you've, you hit the nail on the head. That's perfect. I like that. So, to counter that, we've got some heroes. And that same story that I did, uh, Gun Owners of America, um, you know, organizations that are stepping up, filling the gap where the NRA is dropping the ball and, uh, and not necessarily coming through. So, uh, Gun Owners of America, you are... Welcome on the Talking Lead. We call it Lead Force One for the heroes. They get a ride on Lead Force One instead of the jack wagon train. So it's nice and plush on the inside. It's like a G5, you know, kind of deal. Uh, really nice airplane. So Gun Overs America, you're the heroes for this episode. What about you? You got a hero? Man, how many heroes do I have? Too many. You know what? I'll just make it simple because I'm thinking of too many people, military buddies, this and that. But I'll just flip it on what we just talked about. Are yeah. Those honest people who are going to pay their loans, who don't believe in handouts, who believe in working hard, those people who are actually going to save and be like, hey, I'm not going to go out to dinner seven times a week or whatever. I'm not going to buy the latest and greatest iPad, iPod, iPhone. I'm going to sacrifice, which is, of course, what it takes yeah. when you don't want to have a ton of student loans. So everybody willing to work hard and sacrifice. Those are the heroes. Delayed gratification is what I like to call it. If you can put that stuff off, work hard, build up, and save, you'll eventually get that and more. Correct. So, perfect. I like that. I like that. So, that was a great jack wagon uh, segment there. Nice, quick, easy. We usually spend a lot more time on it, but we've got a lot that we want to talk to Jason about because Jason has got a lot of information, and I want to pick his brain. So, Gunny, get that train out of here and uh, – you know who the pilot for Lead Force One is, Jason? I have no idea. I let you or somebody else. I let the listeners vote. You know, submit their sub, You know who they want to be the pilot uh, of Lead Force One, and I let them vote on it too. And you know who won? The I don't have a clue. The ghost of Charlton Heston. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I like that. Right. So uh, Charlton, Chuck, get that plane out of here. So, Jason, we want to learn more about you, about the Spy Ranch, uh, and I guess we want to talk uh, prepping and, you know, this book, this was a very good book. There were some things in here that I hadn't thought of, you know, and I've, you know, been doing the prepping for, you know, 15, 20 years. So, is it's not a real thick book, not a, you know, quick, easy, read. quick, easy, but essential read, because like I said, there was things in there that triggered uh, my brain that was like, oh, you know, I didn't really think about that. You know, when you're getting into the economics of, you know, going through a apocalypse or a economic disaster, which, you know, in your opinion, you think it's going to happen sooner than later. You know, the, the, the I mean, American what's going on right now with mortgage rates and, you know, the housing prices. If you look at, of course, I don't, you know, the, the trillions of dollars in debt we have, the funny money we printed. Um, the stock market down. So yeah, I a hundred percent sure it's going to be much, much sooner than later. Yeah. But haven't we been through this before? 
You know, hasn't this yeah, country been? Degrees. I mean, obviously, you know, kinda. if you look at the last hundred years, um, but you look at the things we didn't have a hundred years ago, meaning our debt level, meaning the amount of people on welfare, the amount of people who are getting some type of government assistance is just obscenely off the charts. So it's the ratios of, of the debt level we have now, where it's obviously never been seen before in history. Yeah. Well, you know, as it seems like as as time goes on, things get they compile and they get bigger and bigger and bigger. You know, you look at people's salaries, you look at people's, you know, they're but they relatively stay the same based on again what people bring in, what things are uh, are priced, how they're priced. Which never made sense to me is why do we have inflation if everything else increases to do it? Why why not just keep it the same because if you look at this, uh, 2022 in comparison to, let's say, 1900, what people were making, what things cost, I mean, they relatively are the same. It's just salaries increased, cost of right. living increased. You know, just, everything just keeps increasing. Why not just keep it the same? I don't, I don't understand that. I've never understood that. It's like, why do well, things I mean, have to increase? The major problem is is politicians the democrats because what happens is you know the obama phones everybody talked about right you start promising free things human beings get used to it and so the next democrat comes along and says okay crap they promised him free college they promised him free health care they promised what am i going to do and of course we know democrats want to get the welfare vote so you got to keep promising them free stuff and they just up the ante up the ante up the ante so every single future politician and now is they're going to keep having to promise free stuff to give more handouts to print more money, which is why it's just compounding faster and faster and faster because they've got to do more and more things to get that welfare vote. Yeah. Yeah. It's a vicious cycle. It is. And that's what it is. It's, it's a cycle. And we're not going to talk politics. We're going to talk about, let's start off talking about you and your background. So CIA, uh, you weren't, you weren't just born into the CIA. How did you get involved in, or maybe you were, I don't know. Uh, how did no, you? No. So here, here's the huge myth. The huge myth is the Hollywood movies where people are like, hey, every single person gets recruited. You know, there's some guy sneaking into a bar, tapping a random stranger on the shoulder and being like, hey, you want to work for the CIA? That is the myth. The truth is 99% of people apply to the agency and are very lucky to make it through the rigorous process. The 1% who get recruited are the super geniuses who speak 17 gazillion languages or they're mathematicians off the chart or they have a connection to a foreign country, meaning you're an Iranian who's a U.S. citizen, but you have all these ties to Iran, you have all these connections, and hey, you could be really, really useful to help the U.S. government. So the average, quote-unquote, average Joes like me, we applied. Um, I'm born and raised in the Washington, D.C. area. So okay. there's a million and one government agencies in my backyard, applied to a bunch of them. The Secret Service and the CIA just happened to offer me a job. Figured the agency would be a little more exciting, so I went there, and the rest is history. And it, weren't you a police officer prior to that? I was, yeah. My very first job out of college was a police officer. And then shortly thereafter, the agency and Secret Service called me and offered me the job. Now, when you were in college, did you study like criminal justice or what was your course of study? You know, I did. It was business management. I admittedly had Makes no sense. idea what I wanted to do when I grew up. You know, I was one of these kids who was like, listen, I don't want to be pushing papers in some office for 40 years. 
I want to do something adventurous. Maybe it's going to be law enforcement, CIA, FBI, secrets, you know, something like that. Mm-hmm. And so I always thought that, but I still, I, you know, I, I was never sure what I wanted to do. How old were you when you joined the CIA? So I was young. I joined at 23. Okay. And I was there till age 30. And I mean, it, it's a great place to work. I have nothing bad to say about the agency. I had some amazing mentors. It is, it's just a single man's game. So yeah. a lot of the mentors I had, you know, they were in their 50s at the time and I'm 23, but they're divorced. They hate their wife and kids. You know, they're, <laughs> they're alcoholics. I mean, it's just, it's, it's a tough lifestyle. And so I saw the writing on the wall and was like, hey, I do want to get married and have kids someday. And I kind of went a little overboard. I got six kids now. Wow. So, so I, I, I wanted to have an actual life. So after seven years, I said, hey, you know, I've, I've been blessed to do some incredible things. It's now time to go. So you made the conscious decision um, that you wanted a family, you wanted a successful family, and you had Correct. to, you had yeah, to well, sacrifice I, your career in the CIA to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, at the end of the day, even though it's an amazing job, it's still a job. And so I, I'd done a lot of things that I, you know, I, I dreamed of, I accomplished a lot, and it was time to go, you know, do something new. Yeah. Now, when you were pre, let's say pre-college, um, in, in high school, did, were you part of like student government bodies and, and did you do think Boy Scouts? Did you do all that? I, I did the Boy Scouts. I'm an Eagle Scout and I was in a few of them. I was in a few. I remember they were called like DECA and FBLA, but I don't even remember what they stand for these days. Yeah. So the after school programs. But no, no, I was never in student government. Never. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm one of those guys that gets the backhanded compliment when people see what I've done and hear what I do these days. Like you, you of all people ended up doing this. So no, there were no like early warning signs where I was going to do, you know, anything unique in life. Yeah. Hey, look at little Jason. He's drew up to be a spy. <laughs> <laughs> but being like you said, being in that, that Washington DC area was, uh, was there a reason why your family was there? Was your father, your mother involved in, in government? So interestingly enough, so I live in Utah now. Mm-hmm. Um, both of my parents were born and raised in Utah, and this is where all our family's from. And they went to work, both of them, not, they didn't meet each other until they got to DC, but they both went to work for a senator on Capitol Hill. And they met while working for the senator, and they just stayed in the DC. My dad ended up starting his own computer business many oh, years cool. ago, but they ended up staying in DC and never came back to Utah. Oh, so they're, they're still there, or? So mom passed away many years ago from cancer. My dad still lives in the D.C. area. Okay. Uh, but I'm the only one of my immediate family who's back in Utah. Gotcha. Now, do you have a big family also? You said you've got six kids yourself. Did you grow up in a big yeah, family? Yeah, I don't. I, yeah, no, my family was small. I've got one brother. He lives in Las Vegas, so there's just two of us. Okay. Las Vegas. Viva Las Vegas. Now, did he get in, into any kind of a government work or anything like that? Yeah, actually, uh, police. So, okay. yeah, that's what he did. Okay, so kind of law enforcement's kind of running the family there a little bit. Yeah, I guess so, because we're the only two, meaning You're like only two. my dad didn't do law enforcement or anything, but somehow we got the bug. There you go. There you go. So the CIA, you were, you were there from age 23 to 30. I guess that's seven years, right? Correct. Talk about uh, some of the more interesting, and I don't know how or what you did, and I don't know what you can talk about. Uh, but to the extent that you can talk about it, um, what was your role in the CIA? 
So I did security, surveillance, counter surveillance, protection, a variety of other things. And obviously I'm going to keep it vague so the, the agency doesn't come knocking on my door, which they right. did once. I'll tell you that very quick story. Oh is I have a great relationship with agency now. Like anything I do, anytime I write a book, I have to send it to them. They have to you know, review it, it, remove any classified stuff, redact all that. So great relationship now. But everybody who works at the agency, you know, when you first join, you get that cliche picture where you're standing in front of the agency seal and headquarters yeah. building. So <laughs> yeah. every movie pans over the great seal when they show a, a CIA entrance. Mm-hmm. Well, I've got a picture of me. I'm standing in a suit. My arms are crossed right in front of the agency seal. Again, the the cliche thing, everybody gets there. Well, when I left the agency, because I'd never done anything with that picture, obviously, since I was working there. Mm -hmm. When I left the agency, I put it on my website and it said, you know, former CIA officer now teaching spy and survival tactics, et cetera, et cetera. Well, I get a cease and assist letter from the agency. What? Yeah, yeah. And so I call them up. I'm like, you know, what's going on? They said, it looks like we're endorsing you. And I said, I don't claim to work there. I make it very clear that I'm former CIA, right? So I have a buddy of mine that used to work in this particular area. And I call him up and I say, here's what's going on. Tell me tell me the real lowdown. And he says, the real lowdown is you can use the picture. You're not doing anything wrong. However, the agency doesn't like being told no. And they're going to refer you to the Justice Department and basically bankrupt you if you don't play ball. And he said there was a guy once who, you know, didn't do what they said. And they he, you know, they tried to call their bluff. Agency sent him to the uh, Justice Department. Of course, lawyer fees were out the wazoo and he basically went bankrupt. Oh, man. So I said, you know what? I really don't care that much about having a picture of me standing in front of the agency seal on my website. So I just went ahead and removed it. There you go. I mean, that's <laughs> the easiest path, right? Exactly. Well, if that's all, if that's the only thing you know, that you've experienced, you know, negative with them after the fact, then I guess that's that's better than some people that I've talked to as far as, you know, government entities that they've worked for and books and things that they've written. Um, you mean, it, a lot of the people who write the books, like they'll, again, they'll review it, they'll redact a bunch of pages. And so people get angry and I've just learned to, okay, if I can't say this, can I say this? So a lot of it is just simple changes where, if you just word it differently, they're happy to allow you to use it. And people just, they're, they don't take the time to go back and forth. Now it is a pain in the butt to go back and forth yeah. to say, okay, can I say it happened here? You know, I'm changing the dates and the locations instead of here. No, we don't want you to say that. Okay. What if I say this? Yes. You can. So it's just, if you're willing to deal with the annoying back and forth, it'll all work out. Yeah. So you don't have a bunch of uh, black redacted uh, lines in your books. <laughs> Not anymore. I mean, like the latest book I wrote, wrote probably had maybe three pages redacted and I was able to clean those. So like the first time I did this, of course, a ton of stuff was redacted. But now I know what they like, what they don't like, what I can say and not say. Yeah. So it's much easier for me when I'm writing books. Yeah. So it's been uh, since you've been retired. How many years has it been since you've been retired? So, well, not retired. I got to clear that up. You may be watching. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So I left when I left the agency, uh, 2010. Okay. So, t- 12 years. Yeah, yeah, so a good amount of time now. Yeah, 12 years you've been been out on your own and hitting it, being successful. Talk about, and I'm going to keep with the agency and then we'll move on. Um, sure. When you were with the agency, the, again, something that maybe you can talk about, one of the more memorable maybe operations or uh, surveillances or something that you did. And obviously I know you can't get specific with it, but generalities. 
I'll say the best part of the agency is obviously the training, the skills I learned that are still applicable to my everyday life. You know, how not to be followed, how to pick up a tail, how to lose a tail, all that kind of stuff. So I'll tell you two quick things. One is, and this first is, when I first joined the agency, 23, very naive, and I knew some amazing things going on, right? Mm. And so I'd see something going on in the news where they'd be saying one thing and I'd be like, wait a minute, that is the absolute opposite of what's really taking place. They have no idea what's going on. You know, they're giving false information. So of course, everybody knows the term fake news these days. It's very commonly used. But I remember like 23 year old me, early 20s me, would know this amazing stuff and they'd say something be like, holy crap, the American public has no idea what's really going on and they need to stay away from XYZ location or they need to be doing the exact opposite. So that was a big eye opener yeah. because when you watch the Dan Rather, Ted Koppels, all the news anchors, you thought they, you know, that was gospel what they said. And then I realized actually they don't really know what's going on the majority of the time. Misinformation. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was a, a, a huge, huge wake up call for me. Yeah. And then... Yeah, so much of the stuff I can't just I can't go into and it. it won't sound as sexy. Oh, come on, without, come on. Without giving the details, but just knowing if you're followed, like running a surveillance detection route, which is a fancy way of not going straight from point A to point B. So let's say left your Russian spy and I'm working with you over in Russia. If you and I have a meeting, I'm not getting in my hotel room, driving straight to McDonald's where you and I are having our meeting. Mm -hmm. I might go to Walmart, then the post office, then to get a haircut, then a start. I'm doing all these different places to see if I see the same car or the same people. Yeah, That's how you pick up surveillance, whether it's on foot or in a car. And you have to, the key to a surveillance detection route is it has to make sense, meaning you can't just randomly go everywhere. Yeah. Like here in the US when I'm running in my can, because it doesn't matter if people know I'm trying to pick them up on surveillance. But if you're overseas, you can't drive around crazy because then they'll know you're trying to evade them. And that makes surveillance harder. That makes surveillance think you're a spy kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So blows your cover. Yeah, exactly. It blows your cover. Very simple way to put it. So the simple example I can give you is let's say you you're trying to run a surveillance detection route. You may go get a birthday cake and then you may go to another location to get a birthday car, then another location to buy presents. That way it looks you're actually planning for a birthday party. So it all has to make sense in real life and i've i've been in instances where i'm doing that and you you know uh, you go to an intrusion point which is a fancy cool way of saying go into a store so your tail has to come into a store if you're not sure yeah so many moons ago in a, a i remember maybe perhaps uh you know thinking somebody's following me mm -hmm. going into a store and sure enough this person walked in and there was absolutely no reason it was actually a store for women there was no reason there was a few guys in there but it was mostly a woman's store yeah. that a, a guy should be in there so when he came in there i knew i was being followed of course yeah i gotta act the part and do the whole thing and be like buy hey, something I'm this for my girlfriend and go up there and complete the purchase and act like nothing's going on but the beauty again these days is i don't have to do that i can stare around and stand at someone and say hey can i help you is there anything you need if i think i'm being followed or you know i'm not afraid to call somebody out and be socially awkward yeah but you can't do that when you're overseas right and this was overseas the lady store the one you this did? was in a location somewhere in the world <laughs> somewhere not, in the universe not in utah <laughs> Yeah, correct. It was not in Utah. I will tell you that much. Okay. Well, I was going to ask you, you know, of your seven years, how much time did you spend overseas? I don't know if that's something that you could. So I will just tell you again, just to be safe, is I was based out of headquarters. So just, you know, Northern Virginia, Langley area. Yeah. Uh, 
but I have been blessed in my life to travel to many places. Uh, mostly European countries is where I've yeah. traveled to, been to, et cetera. Gotcha. Gotcha. So you had to wear a parka quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. I don't want to pry too much. I don't want to get you in trouble. Uh, but I do, I do want you to, you know, as much as you can tell, tell us because sure. our, our listeners will really enjoy this, uh, uh, hearing this, uh, foreign languages. You speak any, you know, I, I don't speak any, I took some, I took what I did Spanish in eighth grade and then four years in high school. So five years of Spanish. So I speak very basic, bad Spanish, but yeah, other than that, <laughs> no foreign language. So you, you could get by in Cancun then, huh? Yeah. That's pretty much about it. Yeah. I just came back from Mexico. Um, couple and you didn't of, get kidnapped, so you're lucky because I, I did kidnapping capital of the world. I'm a very um, aware person, uh, you know. I've I've had some training and whatnot as well, but sure, uh, yeah. So when I go anywhere like that, I'm always you know head on the swivel, paying attention to to what's going on in my surroundings. Uh, but we did go to uh, it did go to town one day. You know, we got off the resort, went out, did a little excursion, and. Uh, there were some seedy parts of that area that we were in, and uh, you know, my back of my, the hair on the back of my neck was standing up a few times. But um, you, you got to be careful. I, I, w- I won't travel to Mexico, honestly. It's just, I mean, there's other reasons, but just safety reasons. I mean, I have clients there that are very, very wealthy and want to bring me down with their bulletproof limos and guards. And I'm like, nope, you're coming up to me. There's like no amount of money in this world that will get me to Mexico these days. It's just, yeah, too much going on. I just don't want to give them any more of my money. That, that <laughs> after this trip, I, w- I just decided is like, you know what? They don't deserve my money anymore. So I'll, you know, I'll take it somewhere else. I'll go to the Dominican Republic or Jamaica or something. I don't know. Uh, anyway, I uh, had a good time. Got a nice tan. I don't know if you can see my tan or not. Okay. You got tanned up. Not, not quite as nice as yours. You're getting a nice tan there in Utah. I would say it's we're at six thousand feet. So when I'm out training, which I was earlier this week, is yeah, we get. The, the sun hits us hard. You're right. You can touch the sun, you guys. What's your elevation there? It is 6,000. 6,000? Okay, wow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's it's high up there. It's beautiful. But like you say, it's beautiful in Utah. I like Utah. Um, went yeah, out I'm there. in southern Utah near Bryce and Zion Canyon. The, you know, I'm closer to those national parks, so awesome Red Rock area around here. Yeah, I went out there a couple of years ago to the Salt Flat areas and yep. uh, with Charlie Melton. Charlie Melton's a former – Navy SEAL sniper, and uh, he was attempting to set the world record for longest rifle shot, and we were doing it out there uh, in the Very cool. the flats out there in Utah. So, yeah, it was a good time out there. Enjoyed it. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. A lot of uh, a lot of authors and writers are are out there that that I know. Jack Carr, you familiar with Jack Carr? Yeah, I am, and I think he's in Park City, if I remember. Yeah, he's, he's in, in the Park City area. Park. Yeah, he's been on the show a couple of times. Um, of course, he's just killing it right now with his books and yep. uh, that Prime TV series that he's doing with one of his books. Um, but, yeah, he, he's out there. There's a couple other people out there, too. But seems to be like a place for writers, and you're you're an author as well. You've got several uh, books that you've got out. Um I couldn't track them all down, but your your New York Times best-selling book that that made you the New York Times best-selling author, Spy Secrets That Can Save Your Life. It says a former CIA officer reveals safety and survival techniques to keep you and your family protected. So is this kind of the the book that that launched it all for you and got you into into this business? 
Well, yeah, I mean, when I left the agency, I was doing a lot of corporate training. And so it would be where companies would almost like literally sneak me in the back door and sign the NDAs and be like, hey, we got this big problem, but you can't tell anybody we got this big problem. And I was doing a lot of that. And I do hardly any corporate work these days. Well, I, I still do it, but not much just because I hate the bureaucracy. I hate dealing with the lawyers and all that stuff just annoys me. Yeah. Uh, so I went on Shark Tank many years ago. And that was awesome. Great blessing. That kind of opened me up to the masses and many other people. And then I started, you know, writing the books and doing all that. And, you know, Penguin Random House and Harper Collins and all them. And I love writing. I mean, it's something I enjoy. But yeah, you know, I can say all the stuff that's not classified because it's sources and methods that are classified. Mm -hmm. You know, me showing you how to lose a tail is not classified. Me showing you how to escape handcuffs and how to pick locks and all that stuff. That's not classified. So how to tell somebody's lying. Right, right. Exactly. How to become a human lie detector and detect deception. That's not classified because it does. It's not sources or methods. Yeah. There was a TV show on a few years ago that had Tim Roth in it. It's called lie to me. Did you ever, did you ever familiar with that one? I I am familiar, you know, very entertaining, but very not realistic. Very not realistic. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's not 99% of people will never be able to do that. So when I teach, Detecting deception. I showed the stuff that actually works. Yeah. That the vast majority of people can use. I had um, last year a gentleman by the name of Jack Schaefer. He's a former FBI um, agent. He's a doctor, and that was his specialty was getting the truth out of people, basically interrogating, getting the truth out of them, kind of deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was very interesting. So. I'd like to hear, you know, some of your techniques on doing that. We can do that uh, a little bit later. But uh, so the books. So I was thinking that you did the books before Shark Tank, but all this came after Shark Tank. So Shark Tank was kind of before some of them after. So it's all it's all between there. Um, But I'm just trying to think. I don't remember how many, like nine, 10, 11, 12 books I've written. You've got a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I've got a lot, but it's. You know what? What happens is I'll be sitting, I'll be talking to one of my former CIA buddies, and we'll discuss something, and I'm like, "Hey, that's what people need to know. That'd make a great book." So we're kind yeah. of reliving our past, reliving our memories, and say, "Yeah, we need to write that down." Survival like a spy. Real CIA operatives reveal how they stay safe in dangerous worlds, and how you can too. Um, here's an interesting one too, and this is be for people who you know want to start a successful business. Agent of Influence. That sounds like a very uh, interesting book there. How to use spy skills to persuade anyone, sell anything, and build a successful business. So here's here's one of my favorite quotes from a, a fellow agency person. Is They say that CIA people are the world's best salesmen. The only difference is you sell vacuums, we sell treason. So <laughs> you're, you know, you're asking somebody to betray their country, right? That, that's what espionage is. Right. Espionage, excuse me, is. Uh, so, yeah, you've got to be very persuasive. You've got to be able to read people. You've got to be good at making people fall in love with you. Yeah, and that, that book kind of gives you the tips and tricks on, on Correct. That. Yeah, yeah, it talks about the, the whole recruiting cycle. of It's the SADR cycle, spotting, assessing, developing, recruiting, which works in every area of life. Yeah, and for you leadheads, uh, as you're listening to this, you, you have a website that they can go to uh, with your – uh, the Spy Ranch, or Spy Briefing, I'm sorry, The Spy Briefing. Is that your main website? Yeah, they can either go to spybriefing.com or spyweek.com to see all the training. Spy Week, and that's something else I want to talk to you about. 
um, that's like an event that you do out at your ranch, right? The spy week. Yeah. It's our five day spy week. Yeah. We want to talk about that too. So don't let me forget, uh, forget about that, but go to his website and uh, you can pull up and see some of the things that we're talking about here. Of course, Amazon, you go to Amazon for the books. Uh, they're on audible and, uh, it says they're free. Is that, is that a misprint? I think that's probably if you sign up, do Audible's 30 days trial or whatever. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. There it is. Yeah, free with Audible trial. So, I mean, why wouldn't you do that? You go sign up, uh, check out at least, I see three of your books right there at the very top. So, and the spy secrets that can save your life. Uh, I like that. So, when did you, so with the CIA, you, you had privileged information i guess you know kind of like in the the stock market you know people that trade <laughs> stocks and whatnot you know they they see things and know things that just the average layperson wouldn't know and being in you know that level of government there there was something that was going on or that you saw that i read that tipped you off that hey i probably should be stocking up on some things here preparing for worst case scenario uh, for this country, talk about what what led you to becoming a you know a prepper and then writing this book. Well, I mean, just the things you learn at the agency. You're you know you're blessed to see things, to study things in real time. You see what's going on in other countries. Yeah, and you know everybody thinks, of course, oh, it happened in Venezuela. It could never happen here. Well, guess what? You know, socialism spreading here. Where, where you know our debt is out of so. You get to see things in real time. Plus, as I said, the mentors I had is I got to hear these stories from back in the day of, hey, I was doing this in this country many, many moons ago and I saw the collapse you know, happen firsthand. So you see all this and you're like, crap, it can happen in the United States. I got to start preparing. I got to start having food storage. I got to start having water storage. I got to make sure I add to my ammo cache a little bit each month. So it just... You know, it, well, one thing with the agency is you prepare like crazy, right? You rehearse like crazy. So even today, I have a lot of my ex-CIA buddies who work for me, and I love working for these guys because I know they're never going to be late. Meaning if we say, hey, be somewhere at 8 o'clock, you're there, you know, at 8 o'clock. You're never late. And, hey, here's all the gear you're going to have. They're going to be 100% prepared. So that's why it's so enjoyable to work with them is because they're uber prepared, which gives you peace of mind. Mm -hmm. that's, that's what I was talking about. You know what to expect. Correct. Yeah. Well, I mean, and just the overall preparing in general, because I do a ton of consulting and I have all these clients and many of them are high net worth. And they're just like, hey, I just want the peace of mind knowing I have this food storage, knowing I have this water storage and all this stuff, even though I pray it never happens. If it does, well, hey, I'm taken care of. Yeah. So what was the thing that you saw that led you to, you know, that they clicked in your mind like, OK, I've I've been a part of something. I witnessed something. And I know you've been to other countries, too, and that's a big thing, you know, a big part of it. For for people who haven't been to a third-world country or an impoverished country to see how they actually live, they it just you can't really appreciate what you have here. You know, and I think that's what's wrong with a lot of um, the mentality with a lot of our citizens is that they don't know that it's really worse in all these other places. They think they've got it bad. You know, if they could just well, only see it, that or take part in it, then they could appreciate more of, of what they have in this country. But what was it that you saw? 
what led you to is like, all right, well, I, mean, I guess it was what I just mentioned. It wasn't just one thing. It was a whole it amalgamation was, of all yeah, that. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was people starving. It was poverty. And when I say poverty, meaning we have poverty in this country, but poverty in this country, they live like kings compared to people in other countries. Right. Oh, yeah. So you'll see a homeless person, but he's playing on his iPhone kind of thing when he's he's begging for money. Yeah. I mean, here, here are my Walmart in Utah. There's always somebody homeless, you know, standing there holding money or whatever. And I'm looking at them and they got an electronic out or they're dressed pretty decent. It's like poor here is not really poor in the rest of the world. Yeah. So when you see somebody who cannot feed their family and, you know, when you see somebody who's okay, which kid do I want to, you know, maybe not keep. And I, I say that only half jokingly, which is no, it's reality. Sad. Yeah. Um, but being that I have six kids and I've been blessed, I mean, I've been through very tough things in my life that most people will never imagine. Um, but I've always come back on my feet. Always, I've always been able to feed my family. I've always had survival food or whatever to feed them. But even though I, I've seen that, even though I haven't experienced it, so that's the kind of stuff that hits you. Yeah. Whereas that is every man's worst nightmare, every husband's worst nightmare, not being able to provide for his family, not being able to feed his family. Right. And I guess specifically what I'm I'm trying to get out of you is I read, yeah, yeah, clearly I I read somewhere <laughs> that uh, when you were there, there was a senior official or you know somebody that you worked with that was prepping. And you're like, if this guy's doing it, then maybe I should be doing it too. Right, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Going back to the mentors I saw doing things, who I learned a tremendous amount from, and you know, I see, you know, they were thirty years older than me at the time, but seeing yeah. the things they did, it's like, okay, this is one of the best CIA operatives that is out there. If they're doing this, and clearly I want to be good at my game, both personally and professionally, then yeah, heck, I better be doing this too. And it's never let me down. It's you know, never led me down the wrong path. Yeah, and and because of that. Like you were you were alluding to earlier, um, because you did start that and you were preparing and you had some some reserves and stores that financial and I read this too so the that financial um, strife that you went through business mm -hmm. fiasco yep. with a partner uh, you were prepared for that and that's that's you, know, you mentioned that that kind of got you through it you want to elaborate on that a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. I many years ago, let's just say someone I trusted very closely basically emptied my bank account, stole a tremendous amount of money from me. Um, horrible, horrible experience. And, you know, I've had some very rough experiences in my life. And that's, you know, one of the top ones of them. You know, when you can't, you know, when your bank account's empty, when you have credit card bills due and everything just imploding all around you. Yeah. And we lived off our survival food for a good amount of time. I mean, we were we were watching every penny. We were sacrificing like crazy, and you know those survival food pouches that we would eat for dinner. That's what kept us fed. So yeah, that was, yeah. I, as I tell people, that was my personal Great Depression. So I remember my grandma when she died. We were going through a bunch of her stuff, and we found tin foil, but a ton of it that had been like no tin foil had ever been thrown away in her life. Yeah, and we found plastic baggies that she had never thrown away. <laughs> Because, you know, people who had been through the Great Depression and trying time. They hoarders. Didn't They're so. hoarders, yeah. Right, right, yeah. right. And so this, that financial event was my personal Great Depression. And that's why I, you know, I, I was prepared before then. I'm grateful that I was and I will never, ever not be prepared again. I just, yeah. it's a way of life for me. I, I get accused of being a hoarder also because I will keep just I'll keep pie pans and, like you said, the aluminum and the, the <laughs> Ziploc bag, the Kroger baggies. Okay. 
you know i i keep in store kroger baggies and just uh, you know, all kinds of things and um you know my mom my grandparents you know they grew up through that great depression and uh i guess it kind of spilled over uh when they raised me you know is not to be not to be wasteful you know that's the main thing and uh you know use use what you got when you can reuse it if you can and well, I mean, people just don't know what hardship is. I mean, there was a time, yeah. again, years ago, where didn't have any furniture because of money, sleeping on air mattresses, and but we still had a roof over our head. So was it fun to sleep on air mattresses every night and have, like, virtually nothing? Of course it wasn't fun. But nobody starved to death. You had your shelter. You know, you could go on life as normal as possible. So I think that's a big problem, too. Nobody knows how to, how to rough it these days. And I use rough it loosely because I've been in – you know, training with the government where I've roughed it, meaning it's miserable, mm-hmm. meaning I've been in training where you're on top of a mountain. You're not allowed to have a sleeping bag. You're not allowed to have, you know, a blanket or anything. Minimal food. And, well, it was so cold up there. About every 10 minutes, I had to get up and do jumping jacks and push-ups so I didn't freeze. And this was all night long. I mean, you're not sleeping because every time you like lie down and think you're going to sleep, you start freezing again. So you got to get up and do jumping jacks. Yeah. So... That is true misery. I mean, that is true roughing it, you know, and roughing it, again, loosely used, sleeping on an air mattress in a house where big deal, you're fine. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, everybody's term roughing it's uh, relative, I guess. Um, Correct. But a- another lesson that you took from that and you, I guess, you capitalized on is, you know, the survival food that that you guys had. You were finding that some of it wasn't living up to its – advertised uh you know potential so yeah yeah so when i you know i had survival food at the agency i ate survival food but when i left the agency obviously i wanted the best for my family so i start going down the rabbit hole meaning when i get my my laser like focus on something i'm gonna find out the truth the good the bad and the ugly because my my family depends on it right so i start talking to all these experts i start going through it and i realize that most of the stuff is crap. It's not going to last 25 years. If it's sold in a big box store because of the margins, they can't actually charge prices they need to. So they have crappy ingredients. And I mean, I, I learned more about survival food than any normal person or rational person would. And I figured out, okay, this is how you have to make it right. This is because, you know, a lot of them, they mass produce like a gazillion of them an hour or whatever the real number is. Mm-hmm. And the pouches are made cheaply. They're flimsy. If you shine a light through them, the light comes through which means that air can get in there, all this stuff. So yeah, I ended up I ended up having to go do my own just because there's nothing out there that's actually high quality because it's not smart business for those guys because they can't get the Uber profits in order to use quality ingredients. Yeah. Now, and, and in your search of that, you found some mountain woman for that's making it. And are you still doing your own survival yeah, yeah, line yeah. When of- I use, When I use a mountain woman, the reason I laughed is it is in the middle of nowhere it is like these a lot of these people don't have internet access unfortunately in the area it is it's a real low income area where a lot of people are addicted to meth and everything Mm -hmm. but this particular woman is a is that my hometown where i'm from (laughs) it's close (laughs) to you in tennessee yeah but well i remember them telling me like in their graduating class there was 100 people and something like 15 of the girls were pregnant out of this hundred i mean just really really sad area but i found the people who produce survive i mean it's hand done meaning it's all it's all hand put into the pouches it's a very laborious process but 
I want my wife and six kids to have real food, you know, since we did have to rely on it. So of course yeah. I don't regret doing it the right way. That was another thing that I learned from, um, from your videos, watching your videos and, you know, the packaging is key, uh, into that. It's crucial. And just a simple flashlight test will give you the, you know, tell you the three things that most common for, uh, destroying your long-term storage food. You know, it's light, air, and moisture. Yeah. And that, that container, if the light goes through it, all those are going to get through. If the light's going through, all that other stuff's going to get through too. So I thought that was, um, that was very yeah, interesting. If, if people want to go to premiumsurvivalfood.com, you can see the flashlight test, the video. You can see the durability test, which is another test on the pouches. And, I mean, it literally takes less than seven seconds to – Watch the video. Oh yeah, real quick videos, but very informative. Yeah, and this is you know this is things that you guys can do if you're questioning your your food. Um, and you know I've got family members that know you know what I do, and you know when when it's birthday time or Christmas time, <laughs> you know they want to you know they want to buy me stuff, you know. Right. And they'll go and they'll and for instance, I'm going to show you this. I'm not knocking my family at all. I love them, and they have nothing but you know goodwill when they give me stuff. But you know when they when they call when they buy me something like this, <laughs> you know, oh, uh, I'm gonna my tongue just so lawyers don't annoy me and bother me. But I will just say a lot of stuff in the industry comes from China. Yeah. So. So I'll leave it at that. Yeah. So for my listeners, I am holding up a ReadyWise food, water, first aid, and warmth emergency survival backpack, 64 pieces. And, um, you know, the really thing I thought was cool that I could use in here is that deck of cards. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it comes with a deck of cards. Uh, but any of that other stuff, I probably won't touch it with a 10-foot a pole. Um I don't know, but I'm going to try, I'm going to open it up and I'm going to try that test, um, that you're talking about. So I'm going to do it right now. Is that cool? Hey, absolutely. I've I've never, I have not opened this yet. You can see that it's still got the, where's my knife? Yeah, we're going to have to, you're going to have to see, cause I, I, I don't think I've done it on those. So I, I honestly don't know. This will be new to me. Okay. Maybe well, we'll both learn something. Maybe they don't. We'll both learn something today. So. I think I got this back in February. That's when my birthday was. So hey, at least you got fa- like like you said, at least you got family that gets you cool gifts. Oh yeah, I mean it's it's a cool thought. I really like. It. I mean the backpack's pretty cool. I could use that backpack definitely. So I'm opening it up. And I wish I had. Now do you? Now you offer survival products as well. You do the food. You do. Uh, Water filters and knives and tools so on. and water filters and things like that too. Um, yes. Talk about while I'm unzipping this, uh, the, those products and where people can go and check those out. Yeah. So if they just go to spybriefinggear.com, they can see those products and they're you know water filter, the premium survival food, uh, tomahawks, knives. I'm a huge fan of tomahawks. I love I love tomahawks just because they're so versatile. Yeah. So. You know, I've used them in a car accident situation. I've used them camping. Uh, so I do think people should have a, a, a lightweight small tomahawk in their bug out bag. Definitely uh, crucial. All right, I think this might be the, the food section here. All right, I've got it open. The water, 
I think the waters probably would be okay. It, it's in one of those like yeah, those look like the uh, those look like the five year Coast Guard pouches. Yeah. I mean, let me tell you though, is the trick with those is don't poke them because then your bag is going to end up full of water. Ask me how I know. So just make sure how do you, you know keep <laughs> anything sharp near those. How do you know? Brown sugar maple multigrain. Um, Southwest rice and beans. Let me open that. And, hey, and maybe it'll pass the test and we'll be pleasantly surprised. Maybe. I don't know, though. It's not feeling like it. So what's your recommended way on of opening? Pulling or cutting? Uh, you can do either or. It doesn't matter because all you want to do is pull or cut and then shine the flashlight and you can see if it comes through. Okay. So if you can't pull it, because a lot of them are tear. Like mine, the ones we produce are resealable, so you just have a tear notch and then you can oh, nice. kind of zip lock it. Yeah, this one so definitely, definitely not resealable. Not a resealable tear one, just yeah, you're gonna have to get scissors and just snip off the top, or a knife. Or I'll just use my knife. Do that. There we go. All right. Don't smell bad. That's a good sign. Don't smell Especially bad. Since you just got it in February, so it's not. So there's not the. Terrible. Here's what the packaging looks like. So do I do it from the outside or the inside? So you do it from the outside. So you get a decent flashlight that has a decent amount of lumens. All right, give me two seconds. All right, that's that's, that's good. Give me two seconds. I'll be right back. I gotta get a sure. good flashlight. That was a crappy one. Got flashlights everywhere. That's strong. I can still smell it. All right. All right, so I've got a uh, ASP Spectrum flashlight. Ass. Okay, so hold it on the outside and shine it. We want to see if the light comes through. Whoa. <laughs> I got too much stuff in my way here. I did see light come through there. So... There, the light is not coming all the way through, but there are spots where it's not completely got all the, this kind of metallic looking covering on the inside. Right, right. So it's spots where it's not fully covered, which is, which is never a good thing. Yeah. So it's not completely, so you would still get light, you would still get moisture come right. in from that uh, coating that they've put on the inside of it there. Um, so you wouldn't probably get the life expectancy out of this, which I don't know what they're saying, how long it'll last. But anyway, that's how you do it. So for those watching the video, take one, you open it up, and you just put the flashlight to the package there. And if the light comes through, then it's a no-go. So what kind of packaging are you using on yours? And another was the durability. You're talking about... Well, it's going to go all over you. I mean, I'd like to see <laughs> I'm you not going to do it. <laughs> because I can tell this one will be, I could pull this apart. Right, yeah. If you can pull it apart, I mean, it's just, just cheap. Again, it's more it's more mass-produced. Because a, a lot of problems that happen when it's mass-produced is it's, and I, for lack of a better word, it's going through this conveyor super fast. Yeah. So food's put in and then it, it's sealed. 
Well, the problem is because it's doing it simultaneously, food bits can get trapped in the corners and the seams. Mm -hmm. And when those little food particles get trapped in the corners and seams, that lets air in. That's going to let the bugs in. Whereas bugs. that's why we hand fill ours. I mean, it takes a heck of a lot longer, but we hand fill every single one before we seal it. That way there's no problem, you know, with getting in the seams or any of that. Gotcha. Gotcha. And, the, and then the other one was the, so the durability, the flashlight, and then... Well, the other one is the simple stand-up test, we tell people, because it can, can it stand up on its own. Meaning if you take one of our pouches, I can sit on my desk, I can sit it on a kitchen table. If it stands up, well, then that means it's not going through the high-end machines that are just trying to churn out as many as possible, and that it's actually being hand-filled done the right way. So... So that's kind of a little bit semi. Kind of. But here's the thing, too, is this package is so big and there's so little in it. Right. You know, you've got room to to actually spread it out. So, which that's right, another yeah. thing, you know, you're talking about with yours is um, you don't have all that extra space there, too. It's like getting the air out. Correct. Um, and that type of stuff, so. Well, I mean, the, the, the thing they do, and again, I say they, just the, the general food industry, yeah, yeah, is, you know, we put ours in family size pouches. That way they're full. That way you don't have to, because a lot of the guys do, they're like, hey, we're going to put, every, you know, one meal in a thousand pouches so it looks like we're giving them more. But if you have to bug out, if you have to get in your car, that just takes up way too much space. So ours are, ours are all family size. That way you don't have to have as many pouches. You can carry it in your car, bug out bag, and of course it's resealable. Right. Resealable is key, and this one's not. So you would want to eat all that at once or, I guess, transfer it to a Ziploc. <laughs> right, yeah. Seal it up somehow. Yeah, definitely, after you open it. Uh, so let, let's talk about, and did you give the website where people can go and get that? Uh, yeah, if they just well, the food is at premiumsurvivalfood.com, and gear is just at spybriefinggear.com. So I'm going to share my screen, and there, there's the website, Leadheads, Spy and Survival Briefing, and then you go under Catalog? Yeah, you can just scroll down and yeah, you go products. to okay. Catalog or Shop Now, and you can just see some of the books, the water filters, the tactical pen, just some of the, the different and various gear. Yeah. And then you've got uh, some, some audio, looks like instructional dvds 1911 cqb are you a 1911 guy man i love the 1911 great gun I, I usually have one on my hip 45 no this is where you're gonna see this is where all the 1911 guys are gonna hate me yes of course i own 45s uh but these days it's a nine millimeter 1911 just because bullet technology has come so far over the years i hold more rounds less recoil so yeah a springfield 1911 in nine millimeter was is what i'm carrying often Gotcha. I noticed in one of your videos that I watched that you were shooting a uh, a 1911. So I had to ask that question. I yep, got nothing. I, I like all guns, so I got you know. Somebody <laughs> wants to shoot a 1911, more power to them. I'm I'm fine with that. Got no issue with it at all. I myself am a Glock guy. I like Glocks. Oh, I so liken it. <laughs> I liken it to to shoes. You know, because like I can wear Reeboks. But I can't wear Nikes. Nikes aren't comfortable on my feet, so I can't wear Nikes. So your hands are the same way as your feet. You know, a, a Glock's going to fit different in my hand than it does in your hand because we all got different kinds of 
different styles. So, I mean, I, I carried a Glock for years when I worked for Uncle Sam, mm. but I'm, I'm just not a Glock fan because of the trigger, the ergonomics. So do you, are you using stock Glocks? Or are you going out and getting a new, I mean, you're changing the gun. Like that's, that's for, what I always ask the Glock people. So for the most part, it's, it's stock, you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's factory Glock. I will change out sights. Um, Depending on like the the Gen fives, I like their triggers. Their triggers are fine. I didn't have to change the trigger out. But on my Gen four, um, or Gen three, I changed the trigger out. Right. Stipple the grips. I like to stipple. Uh, like my grips stippled. But other than that, it's that's it. I don't really change any of the innards or anything like that. Springs or any of that kind of stuff. Barrels. I keep you know because the G fives, the barrels are a lot more accurate. They're a lot better. Um, and, and all my Glocks are like Gen 2 and Gen 3. So, oh, yeah. yeah. I'd change everything out then. <laughs> yeah. I would change all that out, definitely. Uh, and then the food, real quick, you said that was? That's it. PremiumSurvivalFood.com. That's got to be it. Yeah, it's thinking about it. There we go. Yes. Yep, that is correct. So this is uh, to get the the food. Seven second test. That's what we were talking about. Yep. With the flashlight. Uh, and then you go through and give some reasons as to why. Is that a. That is a stock photo. That is not. Me. Okay. As I say, that's oh, yeah. not a 45. <laughs> site developers. I know he got that off of some stock photo site. And then if you want to order it. I Just at the very bottom. Down to the, the bottom. The button, very bottom of the page where they can. They can uh, click okay. and grab some. And you give the nutritional um, values. Yeah, I lay out nice. everything. Here's the ingredients. Here's the, here's you know the whole nine yards. So there's they know exactly what they're getting. And it comes in a 64 mil kit. Yep. Very good. Claim your premium 64. I'll do that. I'll get on there and do that. Definitely. I, w I need some good, goods. I've tried some different ones out. Uh, like you said. Um, there's another one that I've got that's supposed to be really good, but I haven't done the package test on it. And I'm going to try it out uh, when we get off here, but it's uh, good. it's there in the kitchen. So the book. So let's talk about the prepping reasons, I guess, why people should prep some key things that they need to keep in mind uh, when prepping as as we go through this book. So. Aftershock, how to survive America's apocalypse. Talk about that. Yeah, I mean, I'll t I was to say, if you don't know you should prep, well, it's, it's, I don't know if there's anything I can do for you. Um, you know, funny enough, you know, after COVID hit, obviously shelves went empty. You know, I didn't care because I had my survival food, but I had so many people call me out of the, the woodwork. I mean, my stepmother, who is very liberal, anti-gun, calls me and says, hey, I'm thinking about buying a gun. And I'm like, oh no, like she's not gonna train. She's not gonna, mm -hmm. so it's like, you know, COVID pretty much made everybody, even people who thought they'd never prep in their life, be like, hey, I need to start preparing. Yeah. So, you know, obviously everybody needs to do it. But, you know, this, as I said, and I'm trying to think how to phrase this right. As I said, you know, hey, things are only gonna get worse when it comes to inflation, when it comes to food shortages and all that. So, you know, the book does have the, the catchy title of America's Apocalypse, but a lot of people I've helped prepare over the years, they're using it for some kind of personal crisis, meaning sure. a job loss, meaning a medical incident, it means something like that. So it's just common kind sense. Kind of like people. what you went through. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Mine the unforeseen. Be. You know, right. the apocalypse could be an unforeseen, you know, event yes. that you 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 don't expect, but it happens. But if you prep, right. And and one thing I want to bring up that I that I emphasize in the book is when I'm working with clients is you have to take transportability into mind. Meaning when it comes to water storage, I personally have some 55 gallon drums in my basement. I have some seven gallon containers. I have some five gallon containers and then I have some just bottled water. I got a Costco. So I believe you should have one gallon per person per day for 30 days of water. Now, and when it comes to food, I believe you should have at least a year's supply of food storage if you're able to. But you can't store years worth of water. That's just way too much stuff. Do you base your uh, food storage on uh, calories per person kind of thing? Yeah, yeah, I'm doing calories. I'm doing meals. You know, I'm doing my my main source of food are the survival food pouches we just showed you, right? Mm -hmm. So that's that's the number one source just because they're easy, there's quick. And if you're in some type of crisis, you've got so much other stress going on. You don't want to have to worry about finding 37 ingredients to make a meal. You want life to be as simple as possible. So these are my, I, I call them tiers. My first tier is this. My next tier is the number 10 cans. So you can buy the number 10 cans of potato flakes, of rice, of wheat, etc. That's the number, uh, that's the second tier. And then the third tier is the buckets. So you know, I've got buckets full of grain. I got buckets full of rice and wheat and flour, and they're all in mylar bags. That way they're going to last numerous years, but you've got to have those tiers. So when it comes to transportability, going back to my water, I can't carry a 55 gallon drum of water. So if I have to bug out of my house, if I have to flee in an emergency, maybe it's a fire or something, mm-hmm. you've got to think about, okay, is at least some of my water, you know, portable? Is it easy to move? Same thing about the food. I have my food in bins, my pouches in bins. So it's not like I have the buckets is my only thing because buckets are heavy. You're not going to move a lot of buckets, but I can grab a bin and that already has the meals where the bucket is only the rice. That's not a full meal. The bucket's only the wheat. You know, it's not a complete meal, whereas the pouches are. So same thing with gold and silver. You know, I got guys who got way too much gold and silver. And I'm like, you got to put it in smaller bags in your fireproof safe. That way you can grab it and go because you're not bringing that 1,500 pounds safe. Yeah, if you you're not bringing the safe. Yeah, yep. got to divide so, it up. Um, and when you said fire, that made me think. Uh, a good friend, a friend of ours, friend of the show. Uh, he lives in Texas, and you know Texas, uh, certain areas there in the. I think it's Dallas. Is it Fort Worth area? I don't know. They got the, you know the fires right are, are going right now, and he got hit. And he said he had less than like forty minutes notice to to get all their stuff out of the house, and you know, of course, they couldn't. And they've sure. got, they, you know, they were concerned about their. He's a farm, and he's farm animals, so his goats and his donkeys, and you know, all that. They were concerned about them, and that was their priority. And you know, basically, they got out with two changes of clothes, and their. I I think they got all the animals. They saved all the animals, but uh, yeah, I mean, you just never know when something's gonna going to hit you like that and you know 40 minutes is nothing you think about it when you've got your entire life right right there yeah you know and you're like this is i've got to pick you know what i'm gonna save because everything's going to be gone when this fire hits it's all going to just yeah and you know that was they you know they lost photos they lost uh family heirlooms it was it was sad 
irreplaceable stuff. But they got out with their lives. Thank right, goodness. right. Yeah. Thank goodness. But yeah, I mean that's that's the reason for the prepping. But the cans, you know, you need stuff. So if Fedia had portable stuff, I don't know if he had that or not. I haven't gotten that far with him or not. But like you said, your gold, your silver, that safe, that safe's gonna eventually burn out. It's gonna get hot enough to burn through that safe with those wildfires. I mean, I had a buddy in Arizona whose house burned down several years ago. And just what you said is safe is great, but what are the safe safes like 90 minutes or whatever it is. I don't even remember what mine yeah. is. Um, but he had $20,000 worth of emergency money in his fireproof safe and all gone because he said the fire burns so hot and so long that I mean, if they don't get it put out quick enough, everything in there is going to be gone. I don't think insurance covers cash. Does it? <laughs> well, interestingly enough, maybe gold I, and silver. Yeah. He said, if you can find, cause some of it was charred in half. If you could take the serial numbers, he could get it. He could basically get being reimbursed for it by the bank. But it was, you know, it was a mess, and he only had a few serial numbers, and so it really wasn't worth it in the long term. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, I mean, that's something to keep in mind. So, so portability is key. When, when, sorry yeah, to interrupt you, but yeah, go ahead. Well, here's the other critical thing that people need to know about a crisis. And this is a more extreme crisis, meaning not a personal crisis, but the dollars finally collapsed, our economy's imploding, like it's gonna be really bad for several weeks and probably months, is I believe in having emergency cash. I've got it stored in a fireproof safe, and I actually have it a, a fireproof safe within a fireproof safe kind of thing. And I've got you know my, my precious metals and all that. But in a true crisis, true extreme crisis, you got to get rid of that stuff within about two weeks because here's here's what happens with human nature is we think oh this you know the the blackout just happened our lights are going to be on in a few days we're fine same thing with covid what did everybody think during covid oh yeah this is going to be gone in two weeks no big deal you know it's a it's a little thing and then look what happened two years later so what was up with the toilet paper (laughs) before (laughs) that was like even like i guess right at the beginning of covid maybe that was just like no Nobody saw that coming. Right. The toilet paper shortage. And and human nature is we're optimistic. We think, hey, it's going to be fine within two weeks. So in a real crisis situation, you've got two weeks to get rid of your cash, to get rid of your gold, to get rid of your silver and buy the things that you still need. Because if the event extends to six months from now or four months or whatever it might be, of course, nobody's going to care about cash. Nobody's going to care about gold and silver. And, and that's the beauty is most people don't realize this, that the two weeks is that crucial time frame. So during that two weeks, when you're offering them gold and silver for their shovels, for their food, for their whatever it might be, they're going to think they're ripping you off. They're going to laugh. They're going to think you're the world's biggest idiot. But in a true crisis, four months down the line, you're going to be the king of the castle because you got rid of all your paper money that's going to be useless. Right. They're going to try to give you that, that gold or that silver, or that jewelry, and you're going to like... I, I can't eat that. That doesn't dig a hole. That doesn't right. yeah, yeah. protect my family. Yeah, yep, exactly. Yeah. And that's, you know, something that <clears throat> I think a lot of people, they want to hold on to that wealth, but you know, that's going to be hard to get rid of too. You know, it's going to be hard to let that stuff go because, you know, we still see it as wealth and value. Right. But like you said, it's, you gotta, you gotta chuck it. That's gonna be the first thing to go. Convert yeah, after it about into two weeks. It's gonna be pretty darn worthless. Converted into food and tools. Yeah. So what about um, like vehicles and and gasoline in a situation like this? What are your thoughts on that? 
Feel yeah, it. so I got a bug out. I got a bug out location. It's not too far from my house, where I also have supplies. So I believe in diversification, meaning, you know, talking about the house burning down, don't have all your eggs in one basket. And so bug out location. I love shipping containers because you can you can turn them in when you walk into the container. You can make them nice, meaning they're actually wife approved because you don't know you're in a shipping container. Man, I've seen I've seen people convert shipping containers into some really nice living quarters. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. And I have one of those, which is a, a shipping container. You wouldn't know it's a shipping container. Yeah. So I believe in having my stuff diversified. I love storage units. So you can get climate controlled storage units. You get a, get a one that's the size of a closet. That way it's not a fortune every month. And you can do things where you pay cash and you do all this if you don't want to trace back to you. But put some stuff in a, in a storage unit. That way you're diversified. That way you got stuff spread out if something happens. Also, when it comes to vehicles, you got to think, okay, where, how far do I need to get to? Yeah. Meaning I've got a lot of trucks. I got four wheel drive vehicles. I get the, uh, the more expensive tires that have the better tread and the ply. So I don't have to worry about flat tires. Of course, I have a vehicle survival kit, which has got all my air compressors and, you know, all my stuff to fix a flat and that whole nine yards. But you've got to think, okay, how much gas do I need? Store it in a shed, which I have a shed in my, uh, behind my house where I store it. Make sure you got the fuel stabilizer. So you don't have to worry about it going bad after six months kind right. of thing. And then just think, okay, am I going to go 30 miles? Do I think I'm going to go two hours? How much fuel based on my truck do I need? And just, just map it out, basically reverse engineer what you're going to need. And that's, that's to get to your bug out area. Is that what or wherever you're going to be, meaning yeah. ideally you're going to hunker down at home. I mean, you want to shelter in place because that's, where you're most comfortable with, that's where you have the majority of your supplies, that's where you're familiar with, your wife, your kids, et cetera. Yeah. But you've gotta always, I mean, in, in the government, there's always red teaming. There's always people looking at the worst case scenario who are saying, what is so far-fetched that we need to prepare for? And so that's what I do and say, okay, so here's the stuff in the bug out location. In the worst case scenario, we need to go there, even though I'd much rather shelter in place. And, you know, I'm making sure my car has the spare tires, multiple spare tires. I'm making sure I've got the good jack, you know, not the crappy jack that comes with a vehicle. I want to have a two-ton jack. I mean, I'm, I'm having all that stuff in my vehicle survival kit. That way I can get wherever I need to go to. Smart, smart. So also in preparing, I was, uh, I was going through this, and, and this is – Again, this isn't a very you know dense book, but it is dense with information. Just that little bit is, I mean, there's a lot of good information in this book, Aftershock. Um, and, and you talk about, like, being able to survive off the land as well. So having, having tools and, and things to hunt with, to fish with. Um, talk, about, talk about that type of supplies well, i mean gardens gardens are great gardens are easy well, anybody yeah. can plant them and so you know you can go start planting stuff now you don't have to plant a huge garden which is going to take a lot of work anybody can plant a small garden in their backyard i mean in my backyard we got garden chickens and the garden which again doesn't take much but it's nice to have a hoe it's nice to have a shovel it's nice to have all those tools that you need which a lot of people don't even have these days yeah so you want to make sure you have all the tools just to make life easier when you're going about because as i mentioned six months down the line shovels are going to be worth their weight in gold kind of thing you're not gonna be able to find a shovel yeah uh, same yeah. thing with chickens you know my wife and kids love the chickens more than i do they're kind of a pain in the butt and high maintenance 
but the kids have fun. It teaches them a workout, that kind of thing. But are they and pets? We got great eggs kind of thing. So, yeah. you know, I don't, I live in more of a suburbia area, meaning the 320 acres we have, I wish we could live out there, but my wife is not as enthused as I am about living about out there. Roughing it. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Roughing it, quote unquote. So one day we're going to live out there, but right now we got the six kids. They want to be closer to their schools and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, friends so and all that. So even though I live in a more traditional neighborhood, I still got the garden. I still got the chickens. I still got all that stuff that is going to sustain us in addition to all the survival food we have. The uh, So the garden, you know, that's something that you're talking about, you know, if you're – if, if you're there at your house and you know, it's something that you're going to maintain, but if you have to be bug out, would you also have recommend seeds. have seeds? There you go. Yeah. I've got my seeds. I've got the good seeds that aren't going to go bad, you know, and they're again in mylar bags and protected and all that. So yeah, if you don't have some kind of seed bank, which is the, the cliche sexy word, like you gotta have your seed bank, have some kind of seed bank that you just store there. You're hopefully never going to touch, but it's in your bin that you can grab and go. And what kind of plants do you recommend that people, the seeds that people uh, store on, store up on? I knew you were going to ask me that. There are so many. That is where my brain gets fried, meaning I've got my seed bank. I listed it in the book, and I always – the reason I'm not going to tell it here is, one, I want you to get the book. Get the book. But, two, I always, I always get dyslexic and screw it up, and I always yeah. end up naming the wrong stuff and the wrong seeds and everything. But you kind of want – you want some type of bean – you know, right. you want like yeah. a bean, some kind of bean. There's several different kinds. Uh, again, the book goes into detail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all in there. The exact kind. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly what you want and what to look for and all that. Uh, medicinal kind of plants that you're going to want to to plant. Correct. Yeah, yeah. Medicinal plants that are in there that are good. You know, aloe and other things that are more medicinal. Everybody knows aloe type of stuff. Like that. So it's uh, it's nothing that anybody can't do. Meaning. It's nothing where you have to be a CIA officer or a Navy SEAL or a ninja to be able to do all this stuff. I mean, I've trained thousands of people since I left the agency on how to do just this. And if you read the book, you can follow it. You can buy it. It's not anything that's difficult. Let me ask you this. <clears throat> um, I've done a little bit of research, and I don't know a lot about it. But there are these, uh, these people that, that have facilities that people can buy for mm – -hmm for apocalyptic events or, or whatever. And yes. there's these huge, you know, they're huge. They bought bunkers, old government uh, nuclear bunkers, and they right. converted them into like super plush living areas, you know, with showers and uh, game rooms and, you know, all this kind of stuff. Uh, what's your, what are your thoughts on those type places? You know, they're supposed to provide the food and all that stuff for you as well. Yeah. So I have clients who are billionaires, multimillionaires, and I get asked this, you know, all the time and, and they could afford these. I mean, I can't afford them personally, but they can, you know, it's, they can afford them. I don't like them. And there's several reasons. One, you don't ultimately control it. Meaning the owner of that person, they have the control over it. Yep. I want to control everything. I control my bug out location. I know the ins and outs. There's nobody who can harass me or bother me. Meaning saying, Hey, you can't go to this area now or whatever. I mean, it's, it's my place. It's not controlled by some organization or entity. Mm -hmm. The second reason is those bunkers usually have several other people. I don't know other, those other people. I don't know who they are. I don't know, you know how prepared they are. I don't know if they're pain in the butts. They're going to cause me problems. 
Third, those locations are super well known, meaning everybody and their brother knows there's this silo here. Right. So going back to people who you don't know in there, those people who are in there with you may have told their brother, cousins, whatever. So you don't know who's going to show up there if the stuff really hits a fan. Now, my bug out locations, besides my wife and I, nobody knows. And they're they're basically hidden in plain sight. You don't know how to find them. They're not going to draw a lot of attention. So I like the anonymity of that, where it's not on Yahoo, the Yahoo or Google homepages and saying, right. hey, billionaire bunker in Timbuktu, Ohio, come here now, where the whole world has already seen it on the internet, the layouts on the internet, all that type of stuff. And, and that makes sense. Because uh, just like you said, I mean, you, you buy one of these places, what's to prevent these people who own it when the shit does hit the fan from locking you out? <laughs> they just Correct. decide that. You know, too bad, so sad. We're going to hunker down. Maybe say, hey, you didn't read the fine print. Yeah. The fine print says if you're not here in three minutes flat, we get to lock you out. You know, some nonsense You like forfeit. That. Yeah, you forfeit everything. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, I did a little research on this, and these things go from anywhere from 7000 to 50000 per person. Um, well, that's actually not horrible because the ones I've seen are about a million dollars. Oh. If you get in there. Really? Yeah, yeah. So that, I mean, that's that's actually not horrible. I mean, I still yeah. wouldn't do it. No. I mean, I, yeah, I still would never do it, but that's not outrageously expensive. It'll hold up to five thousand people. This this one in particular, a hundred feet deep, <laughs> half mile wide. Is that four thousand nine hundred ninety nine of your closest friends? <laughs> right. Well, there's supposedly, you know, supposedly you have to go through a background check and do all this, you know, this other stuff before you can be approved. Uh, to get in there, but they've got like several of these throughout the country and they've got them in other countries also. The name of the group is Vios, V-I-V-O-S, Vivos Group. I don't know if you've ever heard of them. I have not. No, I'm not familiar with them. Okay. I was just curious on what your take was on on those and my opinion as well, that's the way I felt about them also. I I I would not get involved with something like that. Well, I mean, and, and people, various ones do claim they do background checks, but there's a big difference between the $9.95 background check you get on the internet and a real background check. Mm. So that's what I tell people is they're like, I think it was Uber was claiming they did background checks. Well, it's like, I guarantee Uber is not spending several hundred dollars on a real background check no. to do it the right way. They're doing so, just like rental companies do background right, checks. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, that, that is not thorough. That doesn't find a lot of info. Yeah. So be careful. Find out what kind of background check somebody's doing because it's probably the background check of, hey, if you have a pulse and a check, we'll background check you and take your money. Yeah. And we don't care that you're a serial killer or sex offender. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and then also, I wanted to ask you this. Is the government tracking preppers? Yes and yes. So... Yes and yes. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll put it this way: when a, and this is what anybody will tell you to work to the agency. When a Republican is off is in office, the world is safer. The agency is let loose and is more able to put boots on the ground and do boots on the ground intelligence collection and take more risks. When a Democrat's in office, they are more risk averse. They're like, hey, let's do everything via satellites and blah, 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 and signal, you know, all that kind of stuff where you don't get as good intelligence. They pull everybody off the streets because they're like, we don't want any international incident. We don't want anything bad happening. And so the reason I bring that up is when a Republican's in office, things are better because they're like, yeah, who cares? What do we care about all these people buying guns? What do we care about all these people? When a Democrat's in office, they're like, hey, I want you to track, I want you to go to these food companies and try and get their 
get their uh, seller list. I want you to go to all these companies that are selling guns and this and that and try and bully them. I, I want to know everything about these people. Now, and it's not a political thing, meaning it could be Republicans if they were the bad guys, but they're just not. The Republicans are the guys that are more laissez-faire and, hey, we don't care if you're, you know, we support the Second Amendment. Right. So, yeah, they're, they're, which is why you've got to, I'm going to give away a trick here. All I right. should be giving away this trick, but I'm giving away a trick. Yeah, right. Finally. <laughs> okay, so a, a fellow, so my house, because I get a lot of death threats, and when I say a lot, a couple of years, so I guess it's not a lot, but I get death threats. I mean, that's... <laughs> The fact that you're getting death threats is, you know, pretty bad. (laughs) Well, I get I get nut jobs who hate the fact that I work for the CIA or they hate the fact that I'm promoting the Second Amendment and preparedness. So I I get death threats. So my house is not owned by me. You can't find it. My house is uh, it's owned in an LLC wrapped in a trust. And I never have any mail come to my house. Mail goes to various UPS stores and P.O. boxes and all that. So you can't find my house. Right. Um. And a buddy of mine who works for the FBI years ago was coming to visit me. And he was like, just tell me where to pick you up. I said, I don't give my address out to anybody. I don't put it on anything. And he was like, all right, I'll find you. Well, he called me annoyed and was like, all right, I couldn't find your address. Just meet me at the restaurant. And that's what I want. Yeah. So here, here's the reason I, I tell you all this is a while back, I got an email from some troll. And he was like, Jason Hansen, you think you're so cool and so smart. Well, guess what? I found your house. And he was like, here's your house. Here's a picture of it. Here's your address, your area, everything. And he was very proud of himself, right? Mm-hmm. And so I didn't even respond. I don't respond to troll, e- uh, troll emails, but I just laughed because he hadn't found my house. He hadn't found anything, but I control what I put out there. And that's the important thing you got to know yeah. is what is out there? How do you control it? And you have to look normal. So the reason I say all that is... I have things people don't know about. As I mentioned earlier, I have guns that don't exist. But also, I have plenty of guns I bought through an FFL that I, you know, have paper trails. Sure. So if you look totally off the radar and bizarre, that draws more attention. So I have things that make me look like I'm living a normal human life, a normal life, normal wife and six kids that I want people to see. That when people Google me or they run a background check on me because I have clients who do run thorough background checks. And they're like, Jason, we can see you live here and live here and da, da, da. And guess what? That's all I control. I don't live in any of those places. That's what I want you to see. Yeah. But it makes me look normal when you run a background check because you can see, hey, Jason Hansen lives at ABC Street in Cedar City, Utah. No, I don't. So now, is that something that you you lay out in one of your books on how to do that? That is a totally separate privacy consulting. And I, I, you know, I can't go into that's the, the book that lays that out the closest without people having to me pay a small fortune is called escape the surveillance state. And I'm pretty sure it's on the spybriefinggear.com website. Okay. But yeah, if you want and it may not be there, I'm pretty sure it's, I put it up there. If not, I'll put it up there uh, very soon. But if you go to escape the surveillance state, I put a tremendous amount of info on how to do it. Um, but a lot of the people pay me, pay me for a day of private consult, privacy consulting where I'm like, here's how to make you look normal. Here's how to hide all your stuff. But if you don't look like a regular Joe, that draws more attention, which is why you've got to look like a regular Joe on the outside. Right. Uh, and if people wanted to, let's say, hire you uh, to come in and, and speak, and do some 
private consulting? How would they go about getting in touch with you and, and yeah, scheduling just, that? Just send an email to jason at spybriefing.com and just tell me what you're looking for. Hey, you know, I mean, just had a Fortune 500 uh, company email the other day. I'm going to do some work for, even though I don't do that work very often. But just say, hey, I want to hire you for a day of consulting or I want to hire you for a speech or X, Y, or Z. I do that stuff all the time and just let me know what you need. Very cool. I was looking for that. I didn't see it right off on the uh, okay. spy briefing gear. And I will, it may be I'll there. My, I'll get with my tech team today and I'll make sure that's put on the website, but it's called Escape the Surveillance State. There's Off the Grid Safe something. And yeah, that's another book that teaches you how to have an off the grid safe house. Okay, safe house. That's what it was. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But no, that's not the, that's not the privacy book. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, so let's do this, um, and this will probably lead to more to more things um, that we're going to cover. Let's go to listener questions now. Sure. Let's field some of our listener questions. I made a post on Instagram, which uh, I'm assuming that based on everything that you just said, you don't have Instagram and you don't have Facebook or <laughs> any so of So I have Facebook for business-wise. Uh-huh. Like I have a business page, but I actually don't use Facebook personally. So okay. I don't use – I mean, my, my cell phone, where's it at? It's back here. I've never sent a text message in my life, so I don't text. And so, yeah, I mean, certain things I'm strange, but again, you, I have the appearance of a normal, I, I have what I want people to see. Is that the the number I've got for that phone? Yes, actually it is. Yeah, this is nice. I'm to see. I feel special. This is the number you have for this phone here. I will, I will not give it out. Call me right now and it would ring. I'd have to look the number up. It's in that email. <laughs> Or Dan, I did call you though. I didn't I? I did call you one day. I don't remember if we. Or we just we skyped. Maybe we just skyped. Yeah, it might have been just over the Maybe. computer. All right, so I made a post on Instagram. I w- I'm gonna I'm gonna let you see this post. I'm gonna see what you think about my post that I put together for you. <laughs> uh, and I'll share it here. Go here. Let's pause. You may not be able to hear it. I don't know how. <laughs> the audio set up on this and I put it to uh, you know that secret agent man song yep I do there's a like a heavy metal version of that that I found um. Did you hear it? I, I could not hear a thing, but that's okay. Okay, it was blaring through my, my headset. But it's this secret agent, man. Maybe you get on one of your kids' Instagram and go watch it. <laughs> <laughs> so we got questions here. Um, FPS Murdoch asks, There is a recent surface document regarding an alleged Chinese plan to launch an invasion to the mainland U.S. this fall. Can you speak to the likelihood, unlikelihood of such an attack? I would say my best hypothetical guess is very unlikely. 
because it's mutually assured destruction. So even though China is our biggest adversary and, you know, I mean, Russia and Cuba, North Korea, they're all there too, but China is the number one by far. China has more spies in the US than anybody else and they're very good and they, they infiltrate the universities like crazy. And so you go to, not virtually, but many universities in this country and they're full of Chinese spies. Um, I've heard that. That being said, well, that being said is, yeah, I would not say, I, I don't think you have to worry about China invading us. I mean, that's what the Second Amendment is for, is to deter everybody. We've got a lot of guns here. Um, even though China would like to do that, and they want to, you know, have us be communists and all that, but I would not fret at all or worry about anything happening soon with them coming for a true invasion. Yeah. It's kind of like, uh, which I, I think it's been found that he didn't actually say this, but the Japanese, the Jap- Japan leader, when they... Correct. Like behind yeah, every agree. blade of grass is an American with a gun. That's that's untrue because there's, there's behind every blade of grass is an American with two guns, <laughs> or three, or four. So there's about half of Americans with fifty guns. <laughs> that's true. That's yeah, that's what it is. And Jason's got half of those. Giddy up! We always hear from former Alphabet agency operatives, CIA, FBI, etc., that the job was less interesting than you'd think. Can you share what you loved about the job and what you hated? I think you kind of went into that a little bit. Is there anything else you want to I mean, elaborate could, on? Well, obviously, it's a heck of a lot less sexy than Hollywood makes it because Hollywood has you jumping out of cars and shooting guns and you know drawing attention to yourself. And, and what I tell people The sexy is, agents, counter agents and all that. Yeah. What I always share with folks is, listen, if you are shooting guns down the highway or shooting out of a car, that means something has gone very, very wrong. So the majority of the time you're blending in like the average Joe, you're like a ghost. You're not drawing any attention to yourself. So anybody that thinks they're going to be getting in like crazy car scene chases, no, that's hopefully never, ever going to happen. The interesting part is everything you learn, everything you know going on. And the fact that you're walking down the streets and nobody knows who you really are. Bonafide breed. I think we kind of touched on this a little bit. Uh, do you feel that we as Americans have gotten too comfortable with the position of our country as the tip of the spear? We feel like what's going on in Ukraine or other countries that have been invaded can never happen here. I think we touched on that a little bit too. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I'll give you the 30-second answer. Yes, we're, we're too comfortable. We're too complacent. We're, we're too lazy. We have it too good here. I mean, really, most people have never had a real hardship. And we have half of this country that, again, wants to hand out everything and be on welfare and get welfare votes and have this country that is still trying to work hard, which is tough when when you're trying to make things work. Uh, so I don't think we're ever going to fail, meaning I think things are going to get very, very dark, but we'll push through. I'm, I'm smiling because of this next question. This is uh, AK Gabagoon. Why is the Jansport backpack the ultimate apocalypse bag how much <laughs> how much Jansport. how much grizzly wintergreen should i stock up on to survive the apocalypse so i guess jansport is still making backpacks um <laughs> well hey, j- j- hey if it works meaning it doesn't stand out it doesn't scream like hey i'm trying to be a rambo so yeah throw your stuff into jansport's but whatever works for you that that's what i always say yeah is Whatever backpack you're comfortable with works for you. Make it happen. Well, let's talk about that. What uh, what do you prefer? Do you make your own? 
So I have, yeah, so I have some custom made for me and I don't have any in the room I'm in right now, but they're, they're a little bit bigger. I mean, they look like a typical backpack, but they have more space so I can steer more gear and cargo, but yeah. you know, they don't have my NRA patch or they don't have my, you know, any kind of gun patch drawn attention themselves. Yeah. So inconspicuous. Yeah. 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 So they are more inconspicuous so I can blend in. Turn mine over there. So I've got some packs over there that I've been trying out i don't know if you can see it or not you're turning me sideways i'm trying to turn my head to see if i can there's a, a gosley bag there i took it to mexico it worked really good uh and then that one's a van quest i've been using it for about three years now i really like it van quest makes some some good backpacks um, yeah i mean there's a ton of good bag makers these days i mean there's no shortage of yeah here so we're very lucky yeah the the competition is healthy in that market, definitely. But I remember in high school, Jansport, man, that was the thing. If you didn't have a Jansport, man, you were just trash. Yeah, that's right. And I didn't have one. <laughs> Couldn't afford the Jansport. Uh, Brent Bedal, talk about some likely events that will lead us to the brink. Do you feel this will be one major event or multiple events setting up some type of chain reaction? I'd say the two most dangerous events we got to worry about are one are the economic collapse when the dollar finally collapses and implodes and things get bad, which again, covering the book. Yeah. Um, the other event is a blackout, meaning Power most grid. people have no idea how fragile our electrical grid system is. Most people have no idea how many foreign countries are trying to shut down our electrical grid. Um, without giving anything away, I can tell you instances where just by the nick of, nick of time, the intelligence community thwarted a huge blackout in this country. I've heard that. Uh, what happens a lot is they do probing, meaning you'll hear somewhere, let's just say in Tennessee, oh, this small municipal in, uh, facility in Tennessee got hacked, but we picked it up and it was somewhere overseas. Well, that's what's called probing, meaning they go in there, they leave a trail, they wanna see how you fix it, that way they know how to overcome that fix next time. And so they go and probe all these various facilities in small towns throughout the U.S. and counties. And then when they want to do the big attack, they know how to hit it hard. Um, so there's a lot of probing going on right now in the country. And a blackout is absolutely something people need to be, excuse me, be prepared for. This is a good question here. Arms of Acadia. After shit hits the fan, we'll need a way to share information efficiently. And the internet, as we know it, will be offline. Are you familiar with Mesh WANs to create a local internet for a community? I'd love to chat more about this. My background is information security, so InfoSpec post shit hits the fan is inter is interesting. So, yes, I know what it is, but no, it's not my expertise. Meaning I have guys that are much more tech savvy than me who can, you know, buddies, former buddies from the agency who are just amazing technical wizards and they put this stuff together. Uh, you know, of course I've got my, my Baofeng radios and all that, but I also have pieces of paper and my, my markers, meaning a good Sharpie or Inksol marker, because you're gonna need to, need to leave notes where, yeah. hey, honey, I just had to leave here and you don't, you have a code, so you don't tell them exactly where you're going, but be here at 4 p.m. So have tape, have, have pieces of paper and have good markers. Right so in the write, rain. Paper. Right in the rain, exactly. Because yeah, that's going to be the very important mode of communication. Yeah, definitely. Um, Jesse Bedal, how did the CIA cha change your outlook, and do you think it was a good thing or bad thing? 
I guess maybe your outlook on America. Yeah. I don't know exactly what. It, it gave me a healthy paranoia. So I'm clearly more uh, paranoid than the average person, but I love it because it keeps me safe and it's kept me out of some serious jams in life. And my outlook is good because there are some amazing men and women with the CIA. I mean, these are these are true patriots in every sense of the word. So I we we have amazing people still watching out for us and doing good work. And that's what makes me very confident and comfortable. AKM Archer, is there truly such a thing as former CIA? <laughs> <laughs> yes, there is. Yes, there is. So I left on great terms with the agency. I love those guys. They said when I left, hey, if you want to come back. Um, now I've done way too much publicity and, and uh, you know PR to ever go back. Uh, but yes, there is such thing as former agency. Uh, and then we, we answered this, P-Man 301, does he have to get all of his books approved by the agency before publication? Yes, I do. Very thorough process. Can take six months at a time and not the world's most fun process, but important. So I keep out classified stuff. Like a, a book like this, do you have to run that by them? So this book, uh, how do I say this? How do I say this? Because it's not got anything to do with the CIA. Right, right, yeah. This book, if there's nothing in there classified, it's w well, it's when there was my like thing. book, Spy Secrets, like this book, no, because this book doesn't have anything in there at all. There's no sources, no methods, nothing close. But like the Spy Secrets can save your life or survive like a spy. I told specific agency stories, that kind of stuff, and that one definitely has to get run through the the publications review board. Yeah. Do you just run them all through there just to make sure? Well, if, I mean, if there's any doubt in my mind, I'm going to run it through. But some of the stuff like this one, certain things I write, there's nothing whatsoever classified in there. I know 100%. Um, but if I do have a book where I'm like, I'm not sure if this one is whatever, then I'll, I'll send it to him because it's an easy process. You send it via email, that kind of stuff. So it's not like I have to go to headquarters in, in Langley. In and person do and do stuff. all that. Right. Yeah. yeah. So it's, an, it's a relatively easy process. Hook you up to a lie detector. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see. Mustang Perry. What does Jason think is the most important thing to start with when getting into prepping? The simple things and the things that you actually need. Shelter, food, water. So gold and silver, sexy and I like them. But if you, if you don't have your food storage and water storage, you better not be buying gold and silver because you can't eat gold. You can't drink gold. Uh, so just think about what do I need to sustain my life? It's the simple things first. Before, I mean, I love guns. I own more guns than 99% of people. But before you go build up your gun arsenal, build up your food, build up your water. And how do you feel about building up? Because I've, a lot of preppers do this, is they build up a community. They build up like-minded individuals um, so that when something like that does, then they'll have other, other people, other resources that they can rely on. What are your thoughts on that? Yes, if you do it right. So now, now you're going to make me go to my website because I want to make sure it's on there. Okay. But sorry, I have a book called Sleeper Cell Secrets, and it's a very, very in-depth, good book about how to do it the right way. And I'm gonna okay, it is. It's on the if you go to the spybriefinggear.com, it's Sleeper Cell Secrets of Spies and Our Founding Fathers. So most people have no idea how to build a community, how to choose the right people, how to vet them, how to make sure you're safe, how to make sure they don't turn on you and and end up, you know, harming you and your family. Mm -hmm. So if they do it the right way, then yes, you've got to have a community because it's incredibly difficult to be a lone wolf and you don't want to. You've got to have a support system. So 
shameless plug, get the book. It doesn't cost virtually nothing. I mean, I'm basically giving it away. So get the book and you'll see how to build a community the right way. Very cool. Oh, uh, John Adams, the third. How important are VPNs for internet protection? Could you speak about how they work and recommend a trusted one? Which you said you weren't an IT guy, so. Well, I mean, I I, I can handle that one. Okay. I'm not an IT right. guy when it comes to setting up all the different. I got you. Configurations. But yes, VPNs are crucial. You should have one. You should never get. I mean, if you're your house and you have your secure router, not as bad. But if you're ever in a hotel, airplane, Starbucks, whatever, absolutely have a VPN. You'd be crazy if you didn't. Um, eat, the VPN basically encrypts traffic so they can't read your mail. That's that's the easy. You know, it's not like everything you're doing is open to the public. Yeah. And the VPN I use is Proton, just like there's Proton Mail. Proton has a VPN. That's what I use. And what's it called? Proton? Proton, yeah. Just P-R-O-T-O-N. If you do Proton VPN, it'll I'm sure it'll pop up and you'll see the site. Very good, very good. Uh, I think that's got most of the ones. I mean, we've covered most of everything else um, that's on here. Okay. Is there anything uh, maybe that we need to talk about that I didn't think to ask you? No, you. I mean, you hit a, a wide variety. I mean, you hit, hit on a ton of good stuff, so there's nothing. Yeah, this has been all great information. Man. Yeah, there's Definitely. nothing that's jumping in my mind right now. Okay. So we talked about this, and we're going to reward our listeners here uh, that posted questions, and I guess just anybody that wants to take advantage of this, you've got an offer for our leadheads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That? Offer for the book. Uh, for you guys, you're going to see that it's, yeah, I mean, you're not going to, you're, you're basically paying nothing. Um, the information in here, as, as I tell people, is like, if you realize the trials that me and my buddies went through to gather this information and learn it, like, you know, the book should be, you know, a million dollars kind of thing. So you are going to get the shortcuts. You're not going to have to go through all the horrible hardships and pain in the butt things we did. And you're going to learn what I do for my own family, my wife and six kids. And as Lefty says, it's a quick, easy read. So so I'd encourage you to grab it. Um, and how do they do that? How do they go about getting this? So after I think I think because <laughs> they're just going to put a link below, meaning is if they right below here, a link should have popped up. There should be a little button that my tech wizards have put up. I'll get Charlie the link and I'll put it, yeah, I'll put it in my show notes. So you let yeah, it, you Charlie can go to- should give you the link also. That's a special link for, for your audience members only. Okay, sounds very good. So all you guys are going to have to do is just pay for the shipping and handling and you get the book free. So there you go. And that that's anybody. So anybody listening can do that, not just you that posted the questions. I want to reward a couple of special giveaways we've got seal one clp cool. complete cleaning gun care kit from from our good buddies at seal one dwight and the gang over at seal one uh we're going to give away one of these to one of those questions that i asked you what do you thought which one did you think was a really good question we're going to award this to that to that listener who participated the seal one complete gun cleaning cleaning kit you know, I, I like the question about when he was kind of asking, like, what is it really like? Meaning it's not what it looks like on Hollywood. Uh -huh. And I can't remember the, the exact verbiage of the question, but, you know, allowing me to share the truth. So Giddy Up, Giddy Up says, we always hear from former uh, Alphabet operatives that the job was less interesting than you think. Can you share what you loved about the job? Is that the one? Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. I thought that was a good question. Allowed me to expand. Okay. So Giddy Up, 
you have won the SEAL 1 uh, complete gun cleaning kit here. Uh, all green engineered, so it's safe for you, safe for your family, and it does a really good job on uh, preventing corrosion too. I use this on all my firearms. I really like it. love it. Uh, and it smells good too. So uh, multi-purpose. You put a little behind your ears when you go out on a date. Uh, email me, giddy up. Let me know what you want, and uh, I'll need your uh, mailing address. And then, Jason, we've got another thing that we're going to give away here to our listeners. Mission First Tactical, they make holsters and AR accessories and uh, things like that. They're, they're a sponsor of the show. Uh, they make these, we call them they're dump trays, but I use them for my, um, my gun cleaning and armorers trays. Yeah, so, yeah, definitely. So I put all my little pieces and, and things in there. It holds up really well to um, the gun cleaning materials and the dirt and the grime. It just cleans right up. Um, these are some that we have made up for our AK Corner. I do a, a segment each month called the AK Corner where we just talk uh, AKs and Comblock guns, uh, sponsored by Century Arms. So we're going to give away one of these this episode, too. Uh, and it'll probably just have our normal logo uh, on it, unless you want this. You can specify... But you can get any logo that you want printed on. We can get some spy briefing. Do you have a logo? We get some spy briefing. I do, yes. Logos printed on there. Uh, send that to me, and I'll uh, I'll get one made up and send it to you. All from, right, awesome. I'll do from that. our buddies over at uh, at Mission First Tactical. What What was another question that you liked? Uh, well, the Chinese one because the Chinese are our biggest adversary. I think that was the first question. He was he was worried about the Chinese threats. Yeah. Uh, even though I don't think he has to worry about them, you know, invading our homeland. But they are in a way invading our homeland because there's more Chinese spies than anybody else on the yeah. on the soil now. That's FPS Murdoch. FPS Murdoch, you have won the uh, Mission First Tactical Dump Tray. So same, you know the routine. Email me, let me know what you won, and your contact information. So everybody wins today, thanks to, to Jason putting up the book that uh, we're going to provide a link for you that you can go to uh, and get this Leadheads. The Aftershock, How to Survive America's Apocalypse. And then make sure you go to his his website, the spybriefinggear.com. And there's a plethora of items there. There's books, there's uh, DVDs, there's bags. I think you got bags, you got pins, you got knives on here, tomahawks. Is all that I think on here? Yeah, I think they're there somewhere. They yeah. should be. All, all kinds of stuff, so you can check it out there. Is there another place where they can go and get your products? Of course, we, the food, we, we want them to go there and yeah, check out the... Yeah, just go to the, the premiumsurvivalfood.com. They can see all the food yeah. stuff. And I'll put links in the show notes too, Leadhead. So I'll link to the food, I'll link to the gear, uh, so you guys can go to the website, uh, to the show notes and the website, and, and get them there. Um, I did want to ask you, because I saw when you had one on blades and knives, what's your... What's your preferred EDC carry knife? So I got so many. I, actually, I have. I just have custom knives made for me. Like this is the one I'm carrying today. It's a special knife I had made for me. Oh, sweet. Um, I love stiletto knives. I have a stiletto knife I carry. Um, I got similar to this one. Yeah, I got so many different knives. So you know, I got fixed blade knives depending on where I'm going, depending on what I'm doing. I mean, if I'm just you know going to the office, which is very close to my house. 
I'm not worried about having a fixed blade and a stilet, or I mean a, a fixed blade and a, a folder. But if I'm going up in the mountains, you know, I'll have a, a very high quality fixed blade on me that, again, I had custom produced for me. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I've always got at least one blade on me. Very nice. A lot of our listeners are blade guys, too. Uh, they've been after me to do a specific, just like a knife segment each month. You should. That'd be good. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm a knife junkie. Yeah. I mean, pff, I got, they're all over the place. <laughs> Who doesn't love knives, you know? Right. Blades are awesome to have. So, very good. Jason, I really appreciate you taking the time to be on. And uh, I've learned a lot. Would love to have you back on whenever you've got a new project or uh, something going on. And, I guess we didn't really talk about it. if somebody wants to come to your ranch, how's, how do they do that to come get the, the personal training? The easiest thing to do is just email Jason at spybriefing.com and then check out spyweek.com because spyweek.com lays out all the training, all the stuff we do. That's another thing we wanted to talk about spyweek. Talk about that event that you have. Uh, at your ranch, I noticed it's sold out. So yeah, yeah, yeah. We're sold out this year and, uh, it's a five day event. It's at our 320 acres and we have one day of escape and evasion training. We have another day of pistol training, rifle training, evasive driving training, and then hand to hand and knife defense training. So I basically took the best of the best stuff I learned, put it into five days and we call it the ultimate spy week. And it's, it's a heck of a lot of fun. That's cool. That's cool. And that's on the, that website as well. They can go there and check that out. Yep. Very good. Uh, so Leadheads, go check it check it out. There's no social media media other than Facebook. Do you want them to go to your Facebook? Maybe they can check no, it out on no, Facebook. I, I wouldn't even see it since I don't even know how to get to my own okay. Facebook page. So, so, so visit no his website. Media. Yeah, visit his website. Use that link to get that that free book. You just pay shipping and handling. Uh, you'll get the the book, uh, and then check out his other products too. And that that the uh, survival food. I'm definitely gonna order me some of that. I want to try it out. That, <laughs> this isn't his, by the way. That's not his. I don't, yeah, have, right. I don't have any of that uh, at the moment. Uh, but, Jason, would you be opposed to maybe coming back on the show sometime, maybe if I've got like a specific topic or something we're talking about to get your expertise on happy. it? Yeah, I'd be happy to. So you just let me know. I always love to talk guns, knives, survival, so definitely. Very cool. I know the Leadheads are going to enjoy this episode, and they're going to want to have you back. So we, uh, we can look forward to that. Awesome. Uh, so Leadheads. Uh, go and show all our sponsors the support and the love that they deserve. Mission First Tactical, uh, Seal One, IWI, Keltec, Flatline Fiberco, Factory 47. Uh, we've got discount codes for all those. Uh, you know what? The, it's typically Leadhead, and you're going to get you know anywhere from 10 to 25% off. You visit those websites. You use the code. If the code doesn't work, let me know, and uh, I'll hook you up and uh, make sure you get the, the discounts. Uh, and then for Jason's sites, again, I'll give those to you. It's spybriefinggear.com. you got so many so many websites. The food is... Premiumsurvivalfood.com. Premiumsurvivalfood.com. Uh, and it's got a great breakdown of all the ingredients... Uh, the reasons why, the benefits, the tests that he's got on there, any of those videos that we were talking about. Uh, I think you've got link style. Yeah, here's here's the one of the the flashlight yep. tests right here. Uh, very cool stuff. And then the email, if they want to uh, get in touch with you one more time. Is jason at spybriefing.com. There you go. And make sure you take part in that Century Arms AK BFT-47 that we're giving away. Uh, you don't want to miss out on that. 
So until next time, Leadheads, as always, keep your loved ones close. And your firearms closer, and make sure you're prepared for the coming collapse.